الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباد الذين اصطفى ما بعد فقد قال الله تعالى في القران المجيد والفرقان الحميد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل للمؤمنين يغضوا من ابصارهم ويحفظوا فروجهم ذلك ازكى لهم ان الله خبير بما يصنعون صدق الله العظيم قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من يضمن لي ما بين لحيه وما بين رجلي اضمن له الجنه وكما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم respected ulama ikram elders beloved brothers in islam we are drawing towards the end of this mubarak and blessed month of ramadan this month constitutes a spiritual exercise for us in fact it lays the platform for the other 11 months of the year when we look at this injunction of fasting allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran kutiba alaykum as-siyam kama kutiba ala alladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqun that we have prescribed and ordained fasting upon you as was done upon the nations before you so that you acquire taqwa and piety The word Quran uses is siyam. We find elsewhere in the Quran the word sawm also is used. Inni nadartu lirrahmani sawman falan ukallima al-yawma insiya. The difference ulama-i-kiram explained between sawm and siyam. If you look at the Arabic words, sawm means to abstain from food and drink and from permissible carnal pleasures. whereas siyam has a much deeper meaning when allah taala speaks of acquiring taqwa allah says kutiba alaykum as-siyam siyam means that not only the physical fast but that from head to toe every limb of our bodies have to fast the fasting of the eyes the fasting of the ears the fasting of the hands the fasting of the feet etc with regards to this we find that there are two passions or two temptations that human beings are generally fall prey to and we find that these two temptations are such that the extent of them is limitless once one once you go down that slippery slope then to come back becomes very difficult not only does it become difficult but we find that one temptation leads to another temptation ulama ikram mentioned what are these two temptations the one is they say the gaze or the eyes what we look at if our gaze becomes free or what we call awara in other words the element of haya shame and embarrassment is not there then we find that this is one of the most poisonous of the poisonous arrows of iblis inna nadhara sahmu min sihami iblis hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said that the gaze is one of the most of the poisonous arrows of the arrows of iblis of shaitan because whatever you look at the ax the effect of it falls on the heart So if your gaze is free 
then automatically the temptation will enter into the heart. So one is this gaze, and the other temptation, obviously time is limited, we're going to focus a little bit, discuss a little bit about this gaze, or haya, or shame, or modesty. But just to finish the mazmoon or the topic, the other temptation which ulama say is limitless, is when the tongue becomes free. Ghibat, slander, backbiting, hurting the feelings of people. You find this is something that once you go down that direction, then it becomes very, very difficult to come back and to retract. Hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu which I mentioned in the beginning, Allah's Nabi sallallahu said, He said, guarantee me two things. Look at how beautifully Rasulullah sallallahu puts it. He says, you guarantee me two things. You guarantee me you'll control this tongue of yours and you guarantee me you'll control your private parts. Private parts is linked to the gaze as we'll see in the verse of the Quran which I mentioned previously, uh, earlier. Nabi Islam said, you guarantee me these two things. That you will guard this tongue and you will protect your chastity and in exchange for that, Adman lahul jannah. I guarantee you Allah will give you jannah. So this is such an important aspect of our spiritual development and spiritual protection that we learn to control these two temptations and these two passions particularly in the month of Ramadan and not only in the month of Ramadan but after Ramadan also Ramadan is actually the training the verse of the Quran which I recited in the beginning Allah says Qul, tell them lil mu'mineen who must you tell? Allah commands Rasulullah wasallam to command not kafirin or mushrikeen. Kullil mu'mineen. Tell the believers. Tell the people of iman. Not even muslimin. Mu'mineen. Tell the people of iman. Kullil mu'mineen. Yaguddu min absarihim. That they must lower their gazes. Command them, Ya Rasulullah. Command them to lower their gazes. And wayahfadu furujahum. And guard and protect their chastity. This verse, if you analyze and look at it, the actual command here is what? The actual command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is guard and protect your chastity. But Allah ta'ala says, tell them to lower their gaze and guard their chastity. In other words, the protection of chastity is impossible. To stay away from zina is impossible unless we learn to control our gaze. This gaze is something that can very, very easily take a person to Jahannam, Allah protect us. And it is something that can take a person to Jannat. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam guaranteed you Jannat. And not just Jannat, this gaze, its control will give you the highest pinnacles of Iman. Hadith Qudsi. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala says, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that, Allah Ta'ala says, that if you will lower your gaze, min makhafati, out of my fear, if you will lower your gaze, if you will resist the temptation of the eyes out of my fear, then what an effective thing this is. Abdaltuhu imanan yajidu halawatahu fi qalbihi. Allah says, in the exchange for that, in exchange for that, I will give you such iman. I will give you such iman. Yajidu halawatahu fi qalbihi. You will taste the halawat, the sweetness. 
the ecstasy, the maza of this iman, you will taste it in your heart in this world. So, so imperative and important it is for us to learn to control our gaze. Unfortunately, we are living in a period or a time or an era where day to day, if you look around us, we can see the forces of Batil making such an effort to eradicate the very essence of Haya, the very essence of shame and modesty from every aspect of our life, whether it's our educational institutes, whether it's our nikah ceremonies, whether it's our businesses, whether it's our social interaction. Day to day there is this drive to break the barriers between men and women and advocate intermingling. And what is even more disturbing and what is even more worrying, my respected brothers, is that this effort is being done not only one is when Batil makes an effort to promote sin or to promote vice. Currently the effort is, is being done in such a way that it is being coated and covered as if this is something that is permissible. This is something that Islam allows. And this is where the great danger lies. Under these fancy titles or barriers, Islam is a contemporary religion. Islam keeps up with the times. That was the camel age. This is the space age. We have to keep up. We have to make Islam such that it is palatable and presentable. Under these fancy titles, what is happening? Is the very essence of Shariat is being eroded. That which is totally and completely haram and impermissible and which is the Seed to destruction is now, now there is an active effort in the name of Islam to make it halal. And one aspect in the department is this, this breaking down of the barriers between men and women. Hadith of Bukhari Sharif, those days, in the initial, those days the women would come to the masjid, they would make salah right in the back. To make us understand, look at the extent to which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's law, which the shariat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, preserved the barriers between men and women to protect us from guna, protect us from sin. This door was not allowed to be opened. Example I'm giving is we find, like I said, Bukhari Sharif hadith, sometimes the imam makes a mistake in salah. Maybe after two rakats, instead of sitting in tashahud, he woke up for the third rakat. Mr. Tashahud, what are the muqtadis and the musallis behind supposed to do? They are supposed to say, Subhanallah. Obviously, you can't start speaking, Hey, Imam Sahib, you made a mistake. No, that will break the namaz. So what do you say in namaz? You say, Subhanallah. Or takbir. So that the Imam becomes conscious and aware that I made a mistake. Like I said, women were also there right in the back. Even this much allowance was not given that a woman should say subhanallah. Even to that extent the door to fitna was closed. That is why the hadith, at-tasbih rijal the subhanallah is for the men. What-tasfiq nisa What was the woman do if she becomes aware the imam made a mistake? 
Tasveek. Tasveek means she must clap her hand. Even this much was not made permissible out of the khawf of fitna that a woman in salah should be saying Subhanallah loudly. Now in the light of that, in the light of that, how is it possible that today on the airwaves in the name of Islam we have the voices of women? We say the voice of women is no more aura, no more parda. The Quranic injunction, قَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ وَلَا تَبَرَّجْنَ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ الْأُولَى Allah is commanding the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu the purest women that they can be. Ya nisa an nabi lastunna ka ahadim min an nisa. Allah says, O wives of the Prophet, O mothers of the believers, O wives of the Prophet, there are no women like you. Highest pinnacle of taqwa and piety. These were the chosen spouses of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the mothers of the believers. And yet the Quranic injunction is directed at them first, then the rest of the ummah. وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ Remain within your homes. Unnecessarily you should not be going out of your home. Nabi Wasallam said, no two, no man and woman is alone. No man and woman is alone except that shaitan is the third one. This culture of intermingling, this culture of mixing between men and women, this breaking down the barriers which Islam has advocated for, for the protection of our chastity, for the protection of our iman, for the protection of our deen. Today in the name of Islam, this attempt to break this down is an attack at the very foundation and edifice of deen. And it is something, my respected brothers, we have to be very, very careful about. We find in the Hajj of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. this topic is a lengthy topic and Time, unfortunately, constraints are there. But just very briefly, find that there was X-ray vision on Rasulullah X-ray vision in this sense that many Sahaba perceived that this may be the only opportunity I get to make Hajj with Rasulullah Khudu minni manasikakum. Nabi said, the manasik, the rites of Hajj, take it from me, learn it from me. So each one wanted to learn every aspect. What did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam do? So much the focus of Sahaba used to be on Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that we find many years later, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala is on Hajj journey. He passes by a place, he stumbles. There's no impediment, no obstacle, yet he stumbles. Then he says to Abdullah bin Umar, his son radiallahu anhuma, that do you know why I stumbled here? So his son says, why? He says, there was no obstacle. I stumbled because on the Hajj journey with Rasulullah I noticed my Nabi stumbled at this point. To that extent, they used to meticulously follow every, every practice of Rasulullah So there was X-ray vision. The reason I'm mentioning this is to contextualize this incident. And we find that this incident which I'm mentioning is mentioned in most of the books of Ahadith, not because of the actual subject matter. What was the subject matter? A question was put to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And he gave the answer to that. But because of what transpired during that incident, there was a young girl, a young woman, Sahabiya, from the Banu Khath'am tribe, radiallahu anha. She approached Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to ask a question. And what was her question? My father is infirm, he is elderly, he is sick. Is unable to perform hajj, can I make hajj on his behalf? That was the question. Nabi Salaam dealt with it. But what transpired during that incident? Allah's Rasul was sharing the camel 
with Fadl bin Abbas. Who is Fadl bin Abbas? The son of Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu Fadl is the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu So Fadl is not only a sahabi, he is Ahl-e-Bayt. He is from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Naturally, two, two people are sharing one camel. Someone approaches. Naturally, the gaze of both will turn towards that person. So Fadl was a young man. His gaze went towards this young young woman. Allah's Rasulullah before he dealt with her matter, he took his Mubarak hand, placed it on the chin of Fadl and averted the gaze of Fadl away from this woman. Then he dealt with the matter. Now, now like I said previously, contextualize this. X-ray vision on Rasulullah This was So this was perceived as a slight. It was perceived as a bit of an insult to Fazal. So Abbas radiallahu ta'ala took objection. He was the uncle of Nabi sallallahu So obviously being uncle, senior, there could be certain, there were certain barriers that were not there with others. I mean, there were, there were certain licenses that Fazal, that Abbas radiallahu could take that others couldn't take. So he approached Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He felt hurt. Lawaita unuka ibn ammik. Ya Rasulullah, everyone was looking. And yet you averted the gaze of your cousin. So what was the response Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave? One side was a young man, other side was a young woman. I feared shaitan would come in between them. I feared shaitan would come in between them. Ulama explain, understand the veracity of this. One side is a sahabiya. What is her iman? It is our, our aqidah, our belief of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. That is the whole world gets filled with Abdul Qadir Jilani rahmatullahi's. Qutubs and Abdals, all of them put together can't equal the rank of even one sahabi in iman and taqwa. So it's Sahabiya on that side. This side is Sahabi, not just Sahabi, Ahle Bayt, family member of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi His chest is touching the back of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi How is it even possible that shaitan is going to come? Where's the chance for shaitan? Where's the majal? Ulama say what was actually being explained here was a sunnat was a principle of Shariat till Qiyamah that if my Ummat will open this door, if my Ummat will open this door to allow this type of thing, then Shaitan will enter my Ummat. In other words, the practices of Shaitan will enter my Ummat. The very destruction of the essence of Haya and shame and modesty will take place. Islam has placed barriers for our protection for our chastity, for our iman, for our spiritual development. I will terminate on one incident. There's one contemporary scholar or author, his name is Ushfaq Ahmad. He writes in his biography, modernist, contemporary author, he says, I was once in Birmingham in England. And one day I was sitting in the park one afternoon with my wife, calls her Banu, her name was Banu, whatever it was. And he says, I observed that there was a Pakistani jamaat of youngsters that were making salah in the park. Young man was the imam, the brothers of the jamaat were behind him. 
He says there was two or three young European girls, youth, young girls. They saw this Jamaat taking place, Jamaat namaz. The curiosity was peaked, so they approached the youngster who was the imam, who was in front. So he says, when I saw all this happening, I told my wife, let's go closer to see what happens. Because maybe they'll need a translator. Because these are Pakistani youngsters, maybe they don't know English. But he said, it so happened that the youngster knew English. So he says, I went closer to listen to what's going on. What will transpire? So he says that this youngster, this young, these few young girls, they approached that youngster. And they said, what were you people doing? This strange practice going up and down. What was this? So they said, we were praying. So these young girls, obviously in their nadani, they said that it's not Sunday today. What prayer are you doing? So they said, no, no, we, we pray five times every day. Five times a day? How is it you people pray so often? So this youngster gave, answered, he said, Allah gives us air to breathe 24 hours a day. Allah is showering his ni'mats and bounties on us all the time. What is wrong or what is so strange if five times a day we offer our thanks to our creator? Along those lines, he answered few of the questions. Any case, these girls were very, very effective, effect, affected by the type of answers they received. And at the end of it, as is the modern culture, like we said, today's contemporary times, the modern culture, thank you very much, very happy, you answered all our questions, etc. You, you addressed our curiosity, so the young girl stretches her hand out to shake hands, as is the culture. So this youngster refused to reciprocate, he did not shake her hand. So immediately she became very apologetic. And she said, have I offended you? Please forgive me that you are refusing to shake my hand. That is according to her understanding. So he said that, no, 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 there's no offense whatsoever. The reason I am not reciprocating your gesture is because this touch of mine, this touch of mine is an amanat and a trust which my Allah and His Rasul Wasallam have reserved only for my wife. I cannot share this with anyone else. The hadith of, 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 of Tirmizi Sharif, لَأَنْ يُطْعَنَ فِي رَأْسِ أَحَدِكُمْ بِمِخْيَةٍ مِّنْ حَدِيدٍ خَيْرٌ لَهُ مِنْ أَنْ يَمُسَّ إِمْرَاتٍ لَا تَحِلُّ لَهُ Rasulullah said, It is better for you that a nail be taken and hammered into your head than you touching that which Allah has not made permissible for you. So when he gave this answer, this Ushfaq Ahmad writes in his biography that these young girls burst into tears. They were so affected by this answer. And they said, if only, if only, if only Allah had given, or God or our Creator had given us partners like your wife has. And in the commentary of this, that Ushfaq Ahmad writes, he says that today, today that practical dawat and invitation of Islam has taken place that if volumes had been written it would not do justice to this dawat. We, what we have is the most superior way. Any way away from sunnah, any ideology away from the way of Rasulullah wallah is haywaniyat, it is animalism. Insaniyat is what Rasulullah taught us. The haya, the shame, the modesty, the culture, 
الايمان والحياء قرناء جميعا قرين in arabic means when 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 two things are so close that you can't separate them qareen in arabic means that one without the other can never exist that's how close qareen allah says allah's nabi sallallahu says iman and haya shame and modesty aqrana they are qareen inseparable entities idha rufi'a ahaduma rufi'a al-akhar if there is no haya and shame and modesty there is no iman for iman to be there haya and shame and modesty has to be there so this month of Ramadan, as I mentioned, is a training for us to learn to lower our gaze. Let us move away from this culture of intermingling, protect our chastity, protect the modesty of Islam, protect the shame and integrity of Islam. And not only Ramadan, Allah give us the tawfiq to bring this lowering of our gaze, haya, shame, modesty in our lives. Allah give us, uh, not only Ramadan, like I said, throughout the entire year. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah.